0: Are you looking to learn more about investing in the central Indiana real estate market? You've come to the right place. Welcome to the Indy Real Estate Investing Podcast with TNH Realty, where we discuss all things related to investing in the central Indiana real estate market. Thank you for listening and enjoy the show. Hello everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Indy Real Estate Investing Podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy Tallman with TNH Realty, we are a residential property management company that services the central Indiana market. Today's guest is Dave Short. Dave is a longtime real estate investor here in central Indiana. He's a licensed real estate agent. And the main reason I had him on here is he serves as the vice president of the Central Indiana Real Estate Investors Association, more commonly known as CyreA. So welcome to the show, Dave.
1: Thanks. Great to be here.
0: So Dave, we've known, we've known each other a long time. Um, you were a name in real estate when Scott and I first started doing this in 2000. Um, I think I met you through a mutual friend of ours, Brian Sanders. And I think we met you at the Marion County Sheriff's sale, right? I mean, you were a buyer down there. Do you still do that?
1: I don't, uh, since COVID hit, I haven't been to the sheriff's sale and tried to participate there. It uh, got so competitive, and people were overpaying for, right. for real estate properties, and hedge funds were involved. So it just it just became not one of our better vehicles to try to get property.
0: Yeah, that's same story as us. So, but so one of my biggest memories of you, Dave, and you probably don't remember this, although you may remember um, this item you gave me, but. We exchanged business cards down there and your business card was unlike any other I'd ever received. Actually, it wasn't a card. It was a poker chip. Right. Right. So that stuck with me. I had that poker chip, honestly, up until like a year ago when I was cleaning out some stuff. And I think all your information was outdated, but do you still have that?
2: I
1: do. I I still, it's probably one of the better things. I mean, the background for that is uh, I play a lot of poker yeah. in central Indiana and really kind of all over the country. And uh, so that was my uh, people would remember me through that and probably one of the better business items that I've done. Because people keep that, you know, last uh, week at a, at a poker game, uh, a guy walked up to me. I hadn't seen in seven or eight years and he had the poker, my poker chip in his pocket.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, It
1: just doesn't get thrown away.
0: Absolutely, I I totally get that. It's a, but I'll always remember you. And I've told that story to other people. You know, business cards are kind of a dying thing now. But um, I thought that was a great piece of marketing on your uh, your behalf. So, well, I guess update everyone. I know about your background, but if you could just kind of provide everyone kind of your background, where you grew up, where you got how you got started in real estate, and how you're still going strong today, I guess.
1: Well, I started, I got my real estate license in 72. Wow. Uh, When I was getting out of, uh, I had just got out of college and worked in my eight eight to five job, or actually it was 11 to seven at night job. I knew I didn't want to do that. And um, a friend of mine said, you should look at real estate. And I came to work for him. uh, uh, I was the uh, fifth agent to start at Carpenter Realtors. Okay, on the south side. So I basically uh, started selling real estate, you know, back in you know the early '70s, and have always been attracted to it. Have always loved the business, and I'm still energized at the business. I, I kind of change how I do business. It seems like every four or five years, ten years, I try to reinvent myself to try other avenues of in the real estate business and. Over the years, you know, I have touched all areas of the real estate business, from from rentals to what I do now is mostly buy and sell. And you know, we did 23 flips last year, and we anticipate doing somewhere around that number this year. On it, so
0: yeah, that's a good volume for for someone who doesn't go to sheriff sale. I mean, that's that's uh, that, that's that's getting some stuff bought and sold. So right, um, that's awesome. So 72, the year I was born, you got your, you got your, uh, you got your license.
1: I I get that a lot.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So what is your, what is your day look like today? Like, are you, do you still own rentals? I don't own any rentals. Okay. And, um,
1: we, at one point, uh, we had a hundred rentals. Wow. And, uh, we just, my wife, we self-managed, which was, probably the biggest mistake we did in rentals. Mm-hmm. My wife, my wife ran them and just got frustrated with it. And we decided um, we got caught a little bit uh, when all the new construction and funny money came into play in 2010, 2011 and we started to lose all of our good tenants to new construction. Right. Uh, because they were being able to buy a brand new house for the same amount of money they were renting from us. Right. So uh we decided that, you know, my wife didn't like it and I wasn't I I didn't have the capability or the desire to manage. Right. So we decided to sell our inventory.
0: Gotcha. Yeah, it can be a, it can be a grind, there's no doubt about yeah. it, especially with a hundred. That's a lot. That's a lot yeah. for your um your poor wife to have to manage.
1: <laughs> for sure.
0: For <laughs> sure. That. So but again, what's your day look like? Are you do you look at deals every day? Are you out going in empty houses We're or evaluating out. deals or
1: Yeah, we're out um, looking, you know, we're probably looking at a couple deals a day. And today we were actually closing two houses that were going to flip. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we're out getting wires sent, you know, as a, you know, we tell all investors before you close on it, drive by it the same day that you close on it. Make sure it happened to the property from the time that you put the purchase agreement in. Right. So we'll be out after this looking at the two properties and then get the wire sent and go to, go to closings this afternoon. And, right. you know, this afternoon, this evening, for instance, I have my uh, uh, dinner and deals meeting and that meeting is a part of Cyria. Uh, and I, I basically spend two hours with Cyria members and we go over the five or six or seven flips that, that we have going. Mm-hmm. And give them our, our thought process on why we bought it, where we're at in cost. And so they get a taste of flipping without necessarily being involved day to day.
0: Gotcha. Well, that's a great segue. So, Cyria, um, you know, we got involved and I think I've shared this story with you, maybe even on this podcast. We got involved um, when we first started. So this is probably 2000, 2001. And back then it was called the... Indianapolis Landlord Association, or ILA. Right. Um, we didn't see a ton of value in it at that time, but I know there was, a few years later, a big change in leadership, and then you guys went to kind of that RIA format. So talk about Sirea and how you got involved with it. Well, I was
1: slightly involved with it when is it was with the Landlords Association.
0: Right.
2: And,
1: and I kind of left it kind of the same reasons that you did. It, I just didn't see a lot of value in, in what was being presented from, for what I do. And then uh, it had, it had kind of died and was down to you know, probably 60 or 70 members that you could count on being there. Then mm-hmm. a gal by the name of Vicki Perry come in and she was hired as executive director. And she saw the benefit of the RIA and she saw the benefit that we could give so much to the, so much to the community as far as the investment side of uh, real estate. So she started to grow it and, you know, she literally, you know, blew it up. Mm-hmm. And uh, she had built the organization to well over a thousand members prior to
0: COVID. Wow. wow.
1: So I became very active with her when came on the board and to help her organize and, and keep, keep things going. And Some other people came on the board to help us. So we actually blew it up and then COVID hit and our membership dropped. You know, we, we were the only RIA that really stayed open during COVID across the country. Okay. And we were the first RIA to open back up and have live meetings and and do, we still did Zoom and some other things for the people that went out, but we were the first ones to to come back live in the country. Well, by that time, our our membership had dropped to the 400 range. Mm -hmm. And uh, so now we're in the process of starting to rebuild that back up and, and we're getting there, we're back up to 600. Nice. members. And uh, hopefully we'll, we'll push it to 750, 800 the next couple of years and kind of get back to where, where we were at.
2: Where
0: you were. Okay. So for people, you know, cause like you mentioned, there's RIAs all over the country. Um, so for Cyria, the central Indiana um, RIA, <laughs> what, a if I'm interested, like what, what does it offer me as an investor to join up I'm, You know, there's membership dues, I'm sure. And um, so what, what do you guys, what does Cyria offer local investors
2: here?
1: Well, what Cyria brings to local investors is we have a lot of, of you know, our, a lot of our members are newbies. So mm-hmm. they, the first, their first opportunity to get their feet wet and to try to determine what part of, of the real estate industry that they would like to be in. And so our membership is, we did an analysis a couple of weeks ago. Our membership is $279 a year. Okay. And uh, for that, you get two monthly meetings. The uh, first Thursday of every month, we have our main meeting, and we'll have anywhere from 120 to 140 people at that meeting. We normally have a, a hard topic. About an hour and a half, and we have networking and things like that where people can present deals. Then, the second, uh, third Tuesday of every month, then we have a Tuesday meeting, which is normally a little bit smaller, but we take what we did on the first Thursday of every month and expand it and have it like a workshop for people that want to get more knowledge and what we covered the Thursday. Uh, the, The beauty with Syria, we have if you attended every event that Syria puts on for free every month and the main meetings, your cost of ownership would be about $4 a meeting. Gotcha. So gotcha. you get just tremendous real estate value and where you want to be. I mean, we have, I have my I have my subgroup, which is free. It's a third Thursday of every month. And where we go over all of our flips and, you get to corner me and, you know, ask the questions and network and people that want to flip. Uh, simple Quarter, Simple Wholesaling has a, uh, a meetup uh, every month for wholesalers, people that mm-hmm. want to learn that business. Like this month's meeting, they took a wholesale deal from start to finish. So if you want to get into that area, we have a burst strategy meeting. One of the top bird guys in the city, Grant Anderson, runs that we have an Airbnb uh, meeting subgroup. Elizabeth Sickle runs that. Elizabeth is, you know, one of the top coaches and trainers in the country and, and on Airbnb and we get her for free. Wow. So we, we bring a lot of value to our people and for seasoned investors, they can come in and, you know, they can help the people that help them. You know, they, you know, I've, I've mentored and coached a lot of people over the years. And now sometimes it's their turn to come in and give back to our new people coming in. And they're also resources. Mm -hmm. So investors can, you know, can come into our building and be at our meetings and they can network too. And, you know, through the meetings, I've got a lot of private money. I've got a lot of flip deals that people couldn't do. So even as seasoned as I am, the meetings bring a tremendous amount of value Right. that you can come in and people can learn their, you know, start to learn the trade and, and hopefully we help them not make mistakes. Yeah. I mean, you flipped a lot of houses and flipping is, is a hard business. Mm-hmm. It's rewarding and it's fun, but it's an extremely yeah. hard business.
0: Yeah. We've, we've talked about that a lot on this podcast. I mean, there's, there's, few things in real estate that'll get your adrenaline going like an auction. And, you right. know, when you when you get that, when you go to closing and you make good money, I mean, it's just, it's such a satisfying thing, but it is, it's a, it can be, you know, just like being a landlord, it can be a grind and you can, um, with flipping, you know, it's all about what you buy it for and you can get caught um, if you're not, if you're not really on your game. Um, so you mentioned a lot of newbies and it totally makes sense that a, an organization like that would would draw in people looking to learn what's your ratio. I mean, there's guys like you um, there's, you know, brand new investors. So what, what kind of, what's the mix there? Do you, do you have a sense of that? Like
1: I would, I would say the mix would probably be an 80% uh, very novice type investors, maybe done one or two deals or not doing a deal or wanting to do a deal. And then there's probably 20% at the meetings that are that are fairly seasoned investors. You know, okay. we have, you know, like guys like you, we like to get involved because, you know, you manage property and you do it well. And, you know, are people, I mean, we're telling people, if I train them, I'm saying, okay, you need to manage your first two or three and then turn them over to a management company. Right. But so you can see what their side of it is, because their mm-hmm. side of it is very difficult too. And if you haven't done it before, you don't know what they're dealing with every day that may cost you money and you don't understand why.
0: Right. Yeah. So it certainly sounds like you got some thought leaders down there, um, you know, because you talk about the short term rentals, the, the, the burr strategies, the wholesaling strategies, the, you know, flipping strat. I mean, there's just all kinds of, I guess, parts of real estate that if you're interested in real estate at all, Sounds like you could benefit from.
1: Yeah. And, you know, we have a lot of what I call uh, added value type uh, uh, groups that we do. Like we'll have a Super Saturday. And mm-hmm. it's, you know, I'm, I don't remember now. I think it's around $129 a person. But you'll actually tour four houses that day. And the owner investor is there. And they're sharing with you the scope of work and they're sharing with you what they hope to make on the house. So you get to see investors that are doing it every day in action that are Syria members. Wow. And uh, it's, it's a, you know, it's a great learning experience and, and, and the people just love it. I mean, Elizabeth put on a, a two evening workshop where you went to two Airbnb airbnbs that she manages and these airbnbs are renting for three thousand a night wow so you get to see the other side of what airbnb can be right and then she'll show another one that's you know that's maybe leasing for ninety dollars a night on the average
2: yeah so
1: there's substantial extended period or extended things that you can get involved in. I mean, part of Syria is I teach a um, a three-day boot camp. And basically, it's A to Z on flipping houses, including being in the field and looking at three projects that we have going. You know, ones that we just bought and ready to go, two, one halfway through, and three, one that, hey, this is how we want you to show your property.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: So, we we just bring so much value that that you can get just like the class I teach. It, you know, I'm proud of it and that it, it, that we've had people come to us and say, Hey, I've been to four day seminars for $30,000 and, you know, this is nothing like that. And I get this kind of, you know, same kind of coaching and the same kind of information.
0: Yeah, because there's tons of, seminars you can go to or conferences you can go to when you're one of 500 people sitting in an audience, listening to somebody talk about whatever it is. And then right. it sounds like you guys provide a little more, I don't know, lack of a better word, intimacy. There's like, you know, there's that group where you can all kind of rub elbows and, and really interact well, and with each other.
1: You know, it, it can get as in depth as you want uh, with our newbies. We, we really want them to uh, grasp onto the concepts and stuff that we try to bring to them. And to see if they're, and you know, a lot of newbies, you know, kind of figure out that, hey, this is not what I want to do, but it keeps them from getting in the middle of a deal that they lose $25,000 on.
2: Right. Right. You know,
1: and we, you know, we're, you know, every one of our board members, which is Sterling Davis is the president and uh, Grant Anderson's the treasurer, you know, our phone's always open to a Syria member. Elizabeth Butler's our executive director and, She's got a wealth of knowledge in all kinds of aspects in real estate.
0: Right. Uh, So where do you guys meet?
1: We meet at the Irvington Event Center, which is 6767 East Washington. And it's a center that uh, I actually own and developed, Mm -hmm. you know, pre-COVID. I I call it, we're, we're starting to get a lot of traction now, but I call it, it's like the field, it's the opposite of the field of dreams. I build it and they couldn't come uh,
2: because of COVID. So
1: we're uh, starting to get traction there. We have a um, a 5,500 square foot co-working space as part of it. Nice. And uh, we're, we're trying to make that a real estate incubator for Cyria members and for people who are in the real estate business. Gotcha. You know, our tenant base now is a title company. We have uh, two contractors. We have I'm here all the time now. Um, we have two two flippers in the in the space, and we have memberships which are one hundred twenty nine dollars a month, which you can use our space and utilize conference rooms. And we have five or six flippers that's in that space.
0: All right. It's a neat concept. I mean, there's a lot of those, you know, those co-working spaces are out there, but they are, you know, we looked at one a while back and it's multiple industry industries. You don't know what you're going to get in there necessarily, but you're really focusing on trying to bring real estate people together.
1: Yeah, we're trying, we're trying to make it a a real estate incubator. And, you know, part of that is the community that we create uh, on it, because I get a lot of requests for coaching and I'm really not set up to do that. Mm-hmm. So instead of that, if you're a member of our space and you can be a member of our space for $129 a month, um, then you can come to our every other Monday. We have a two-hour coaching session and we, we're actually calling it a mastermind mm-hmm. where people that are in our industry can come bring their situations and we'll help help everybody work through it and, and bring opportunities. You know, I brought right. an opportunity on a house last week or two weeks ago that I didn't want to do and one of our members of our mastermind did it and did a flip in two weeks and made 40000 bucks. Nice. And I'm thinking, well, man, if it's that good, yeah. I probably should have taken yeah. a better <laughs> look. A <laughs> little
2: instead regret there. Bring
1: it, instead of just bringing it to the group. Right. It's a great group and, and you know, we're, you know, we're, we're developing into family in, in that
0: industry. Right.
1: So,
0: yeah, I mean, you and I've talked about Cyria, um, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to commit to attending at least one or two events this year. Um, because, yeah, I mean, we, we work with so many out-of-state people. Um, but I'll say this, it's something we've seen. Um, and so I say that because, you know, Cyria is, is, they're all local people. I mean, it makes sense. They're, they're, you know, they're local investors who right. you know, want to work with local people here. And um, our main obviously you know far and away our biggest portion of our client base here is they're out of state but we are getting interestingly enough we've noticed a trend in the last 6 months or so more and more local people it seems are turning their their assets their portfolios over to property managers am i is that just something that is kind of a a blip an anomaly or you know maybe just a coincidence but are you getting any sense of that, that, that we, people are getting more trusting of property managers? or? or we're not? getting a lot
1: more. I mean, we're seeing that a lot. Mm-hmm. We're, we're, like you said, out of state investors. And it, it all kind of goes with our economy. It goes with the way people are today is that people are so busy. They, if they can take it off their plate. The mm-hmm. cost of your service is is relatively inexpensive for what they're managing, right? You know because I, I was a pro- my, my wife was a good property manager, I was a terrible property manager. and I would, you know my, my feeling with being in the industry, and I think a lot of all estate investors are like that, you know I could I could go sell a house and lose the rent for the month and be ahead. hmm because I didn't like showing the property. I didn't like doing the maintenance or getting right. people to do the maintenance. So I think the people that are buying this, the kind of quality real estate that you tend to manage is that they would much rather work their business and not have to deal with what they would consider the pennies on the dollar that they can hire for you. Right. And, and protect their asset.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's, I've always said real, you know, you, you make the decision to hire a property manager when your time becomes more valuable than the cost of the service, right? I mean, it's because you can be doing So, you know, people value their time a lot of different ways. Like you mentioned, you know, you don't want to show a property because you need to attend an auction or you need to, you need to go out and look at a deal that just hit the market or whatever it is Um, that may cost you a lease, but you, again, you gain a lot more. And then the other side of that is, you know, kids get older and, you know, they grow up and you want to spend time with them or attend their sporting events or whatever it is. Um, but yeah, but, but we, we seem to be seeing that more. And I don't know if it's because they're, and these are typically not onesies, twosies. These are like decent portfolios, like several homes that they say, I'm done. We're going to turn it over to you guys. Um, you know, they're kind of in your wife's position, I guess, several years ago, not a hundred, but they're just, we've done this long enough or, you know it's come come time that we want to turn this over. Well
1: yeah the beauty with what you're dealing with in, in regards to the quality of homes, the astute uh, investors, all state guys or local guys that's bought the Fishers property, the Westfield mm-hmm. property, the Broad Ripple property, they've seen a tremendous amount of growth. Yeah. And now they're in a position they they really don't want to sell it and make 50 or 60 or $100,000 and pay the tax when the property now is performing substantially better than they ever thought it would.
2: Right. From yeah. It,
0: yeah. Because rents have risen and, you know, they got into the market where interest rates were very, very favorable. And so, yeah, I mean, it, it, you're right. It becomes more profitable over time. And that's, that's a good segue. Cause I want to talk to you. I mean, you've seen a lot of markets. We both were involved in 2007, 2008 um, when the market crashed and Share sales were humongous. Um, What do you make of this market? Like, what what, does it scare you? Does it excite you? I mean, you you know, interest rates have doubled. And tell me, you know, in
1: our our training, you know, we we put out that investors buy when it's going up, they buy when it's going down, they buy when it's stagnant. Yep. So we just tend to make adjustments like in my flipping business, for instance, the the major adjustments that we've made is that we now are trying to buy in in what I call peripheral areas, peripheral Mm -hmm. being the Carmel, the Fortville, the Greenfield, the Lapel, the Pendleton buy-in neighborhoods that number one, they're limited in housing, uh, that's what's out there for a nice, nice product. And I've been flipping on and off, you know, I've been doing it full time for probably 15 years now. And I've never seen a time that if you put out a really good product, somebody's going to buy it at fair market value. Right. So we, we really concentrate on that to make sure that our product is as good as they might not buy our house, but it's going to be as nice as they see for mm-hmm. money. So yeah. we're really conscious of uh, conscious of that. Um, I, I really think the you know probably what we're seeing is some of the flip numbers or some of the uh, houses that we're flipping we're buying now at a substantially better price mm-hmm. uh, because the um, the media has softened the sellers for us. Right. Oh, it's awful. Interest rates are sky high. Well, interest rates, interest rates are, you know, they're they're really, really good. I mean, they're really good. Right. And right. I can give some stories back in the early 80s. You know, we sold houses at 16 and a half, 30 year fix. Mm-hmm. That's really, really bad. Yeah. <laughs> And, that's a bad interest rate. Yeah, that's a bad interest rate. But on the same token, you know, we made comments to people back then. If interest rates ever got to twelve again, like we think we're living with this forever, mm-hmm. then if interest rates gets to ten percent, we'll kill it. We'll right. just destroy the market. Right. And now it went to ten, they would think was in a, a, a seven year recession, right? So today, I mean, yesterday I saw that 30 year fix got below six in some mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. Indianapolis, 15 years or five and a quarter. And you know, those are tremendous rates. Yeah. And uh, three, two percent, three percent, like we had for a while, was just it was just a spoiler for the market. So now it's yeah. just a matter of people will be back in the market. Indianapolis is still five years behind the curve on housing that they need. Mm-hmm. But it would certainly make sense that anything under $300,000 will will come back around.
0: Right. So to answer the question, you, you this real estate market doesn't scare you. You seem to be thriving in it, um, which is great. I think it's, you know, because I think there was a time, especially mid-year of 2022, where it seems like investors just like stopped, right? It was like the housing market just kind of went, put the brakes on, there weren't many sellers, there weren't many buyers. But we're seeing it definitely our our buyers are starting to, you know, gain more confidence, kind of readjusting to things. Um, but you mentioned interest rates, you know, again, by comparison, we've seen much higher interest rates, you and I have, you've seen much higher than I have. But I've seen, you know, rates even higher than today. And you, you can do well in any market. It's just about finding your niche and, and, um, you know, just making sure your numbers work and moving forward with stuff.
1: Yeah, and and I I think you can buy. Quite honestly, I think flippers can buy better product today that Hmm. doesn't take reinventing the wheel. I think I think people, uh, investors who want to buy rental property, can buy rental property today at a much better price and have better quality product than than they would have got six or seven months ago.
0: Yeah, I think you're right.
1: And and the you know the growth will you know, we'll come back around. Um, And, you know, and I think, you know, I think we've still got growth actually, but what we, we just don't have what I call the hyperinflation of the house Mm -hmm. that's out there today. You know, what puzzles me is, and it's the mentality sometimes of realtors uh, and other buyers is, you know, in June, if you put a house on it, you might have 20 offers at 10 to 15,000, 20,000 over asked. Right. Well, my, my thing, what I had, hang, hang my hat on, where'd those buyers go? They're still out there. So they're right. going to slowly creep back in the market and they're going to see that a five and a half, 30 year fixed at buying a house, $20,000 less than they would have had to pay for it in June, they're at the same number right. from a from a payment standpoint, and they have an increased equity position. Right. Th- that's out there. So when you balance three percent against five and a half at twenty or twenty five thousand dollars less on the purchase price and you can get inspections. You know, yeah. you can get things that are you know, prudent business decisions that people that people weren't doing. Right. <laughs> and uh, it, it, so it, the other thing, it was just, it was just amazing. I mean, we sold a lot of houses, a lot of flip properties without inspections.
2: Yeah. I, mean,
1: I, I would just soon have them in some sort of an inspection because, I, you know, I want to make sure we did the house right. Mm-hmm. And so most of the flips that we did, if they didn't get an inspection, either we, split a warranty with them or got a warranty and you know because you know i want somebody else you know we miss stuff i mean no no flipper's perfect absolutely and you know my thought is i probably would go back and correct it if if i considered a pre-existing condition
2: right on the house right. but most
1: but a lot of flippers wouldn't do that right, right. you bought it as is, you move on right and i can't yeah. tell you how many times we have went back and corrected something six months or a year later that, you know, we obviously just missed.
2: Yeah.
0: All right. Well, I appreciate you being on here, Dave. You've got some good insight into things. So before I let you go, I'd like to ask you just a couple of general questions. What's your favorite restaurant in Indianapolis?
1: Um. You know, I'm going to put Harry and Izzy's at the top. Mm-hmm. Uh, we went there for my wife's birthday and... It, it was just amazing. I mean, I think between us, we got one entree and went with a lot of their appetizers and stuff. And it was just it was so good.
0: Yeah. Did you uh, go to the one North side or downtown? North side. North side. Okay. North side, yeah. Uh, favorite bar.
1: I'm not a drinker. Okay. So um, if, if I had a favorite bar, I hang out with a lot of my buddies this is the Havana cigar
0: bar. Okay, tell me I, I know that name. That's a newish place, right? Or is it uh, it's
1: it's four years probably, three, okay. four years. It's at the yard and Fisher's.
2: Okay. Okay.
0: And
1: it's a similar people would know blend or something. Yeah, similar. Blend. I mean, I don't smoke either, but that's just a pretty cool place to hang out.
0: Fun place to hang out. With, All right. With with buddies. Yeah. Right. Um, and then and then finally. And this, you'll have as much insight to anybody as this, but if you could live anywhere in Indianapolis and price wasn't a consideration, where would you live?
1: Well, it's, it's the place that I lived for 20 years, which was the, the Hawthorns. Okay. Uh, at uh, Brook School Road, uh, yeah. uh, I belong to the Hawthorns Country Club. And uh, we live now in some condos that used to be called watercolors. Mm-hmm. And my wife and I downsized a few years ago, and uh, it, it's a great story about my wife. Because my wife's very entangled in our business, and is really good. And we had looked in the watercolors is where we live now, or the it's called the villa, Geist Villas. Okay. And um, uh, we had been looking and couldn't find something, so we found a house in there. And I dragged my feet, and we lost it. And then another one come on, and it was more money. I was dragging my feet again. My wife cornered me and says, "Look, you've picked out every home we've ever owned, and I've loved every one of them. But I want that house." Right. So, I was under contract the next day, and we bought the house.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, wives and and significant others, I, I think they have the biggest say in in housing decisions. I think, but just right. the, the tangent of that question: Have you ever lived in a house you bought at sheriff sale? Yes.
1: Yeah, uh, the very. First house I bought at share sale, really? Yeah, and that was 1984 or 85. Okay. It was when a lot of the people wouldn't know it, it was called the Resolution Trust Corporation,
2: mm-hmm. and
1: they basically took in foreclosures and bought banks and and we bought a Homerama the house there, and okay. uh, uh, I bought it with a local investor, Tom Mattingly. Mm-hmm. And, um, it was, it was a house that was in a homeorama and I took my wife to the house. And uh, at the time we lived in Avalon Hills and walked her through it and said, you know, if you're going to do this stuff, I'm going to live in this house. Right. So I had to, next day I bought Tom Mattingly out and we lived in the house for five years.
0: Wow. Nice. Yeah. So, we did the same. We did the same. We bought one at share of sale, had no intention of living there. And then. Kind of wanted to move, and my wife went saw it, said, "Okay, I think this works." And we were there for 15 years. I mean, so that's that's a, right. And Scott, my business partner, is the same thing. He bought one, and we bought one, and he moved in, and he's still there. So um, yeah, I, I'm I always still. curious about that because sometimes yeah. you know. He's, it sounds like you bought yours intentionally, though. But um, like.
1: Well, we bought it to, to flip. To flip it, okay. I didn't okay. buy it to to live in it, and because um, when we bought it, we couldn't afford it, so. Right. We, you right. Know, <laughs> Just we just made it work, and you know, we lived in it for 10 years, sold it for you know a, a really good profit, and moved to the Hawthorns at that point. Yeah, gotcha. uh, yeah, I'm like you, I'm the um uh, I really really missed the sheriff's sale
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, because I like the adrenaline. And you know, over the years, I probably bought at least 200 houses from the sheriff's sale, yeah, yeah. you know,
2: and I remember
1: all the way back when we were buying a share sale where there was only 50 properties there. Yeah. And, and I left for a while and I came back to do share sales and and there was 700 there and there was four share sales a month going on. Yeah,
0: that's right. Yeah, because there were so many foreclosures. They just they had to have those ancillary sales because they couldn't right. put them all in one month. There was just too much to do in one day. Right. So, well, great, Dave, thanks so much for joining me. It's been great chatting with you. If people want to reach out to you, connect with you, learn from you, join IREA. I mean, what what's the best way to connect with you? Uh,
1: probably through my email, which is dshort at C21sheets, dot zcom I still have an office at Sheets. Wow. And um, uh, my son is still there. So we, we have an office together. And then you can always reach out on my cell 317-590-4499.
0: All right. Well, I hope to see it, Sheriff's Art the at the Syria, uh, Dave. I, again we we need to be a part of that. I I think it's a, a great organization. It's 279 bucks a year, $4 a meeting if you maximize. That's a pretty neat number. Um yeah. <laughs> seems like it's a pretty good deal. So well, again, thanks, Dave, for joining me. I really appreciate it.
2: I appreciate it. Thanks. We hope
0: every, Yeah, we hope everyone's picked up some information that'll help them with their investing. We'll be back next month with another podcast. In the meantime, we encourage you to share this podcast with your investing friends. Leave us a review and don't hesitate to reach out to us with any questions. Until next time, thanks so much for listening and please stay invested in your investment.